G'day, welcome to the Four Walls Podcast, where we cover everything that you need to know about the real estate industry. Now today we thought we'd cover off a very special episode with none other than the founder of Blade Scenes, George McNabb, and we're going to peel back the curtain about the origin stories of Blade Scenes and the journey along the way, because it's a very interesting one. So George, how did it start? How did Blade Scenes, where did that whole thing come from? All right, where do, where do I begin, really? I mean, I probably have to go back to the context of um, me kind of growing up when I was a kid. So um, my grandfather was a pilot and was always interested in aviation. And um, I, um, my my older brother, older stepbrother, bought me a remote control plane when I was like five years old. Mm-hmm. And my granddad helped me build it. And um, we like started flying a bit, a bit, you know, a few times, and then we got into flying remote control planes. So since I was like five years old, so I started flying remote control planes. Then um, when I was like 12, 13, um, I started flying remote control helicopters and kind of went down that path. And then when I was 17, I started flying real planes and was doing my pilot's license. And basically, I was doing my pilot's license and uh, me and a friend, we were kind of tinkering with helicopters, remote control helicopters, strapping uh, disposable cameras on the front. And we built like this little like machine that basically pushed the button from when you're up high. So we were flying around Bastion Point and we were kind of taking photos off our helicopters. And my dad said to me, why don't you do that? But for like houses, you know, like you could take photos of of houses, right? So we were like, oh, okay, that's, that's a pretty cool idea. So um, my mate who I'd flown helicopters with since um, I was like 12, his name was Clinton. His dad owned a remote control like hobby shop. And um, we set together and started building this big remote control helicopter, which was like, you know, a two meter long blade span. It could carry a DSLR. We used remote control um, car suspension to stop the, the camera bouncing on the front. Um, shifted all the weight to the back of the helicopter to balance it out so it would fly properly and um, used like this old radio feed to basically link what the camera was seeing back down to the ground. So then we had one person who controlled the camera, one person who controlled the helicopter. Mind you, this is all like before drones and everything came out. So we then um, started basically going to expensive houses and uh, undercutting them on aerial photography, right? So we started doing like clifftop properties and then we got in with some of the more expensive real estate agencies. and back then we were charging like good money to take photos of of um of property using like from the air. Then um drones came out and we kind of had to like pivot. <laughs> yeah. Um but anyway, I remember like our first drone, our first drone was like this huge eight engine machine that carried a camera under and underneath it and required like I used to drive around a Ute and had like five huge boxes with all the parts for it and we'd load it out and kind of take two of us to fly out take like several hours and then um they became so much more accessible that um uh we kind of had to like the the model almost died yeah um and that's like when you know people always say like you know how does like you know how does one create a business well it's like you never set out to do what you're actually gonna end up doing I never thought that I'd be doing like real estate photography and videography and floor plans and all that kind of stuff, right? But basically the business got a little bit busier and then um, I gave up flying once I'd finished. I'm still like a commercial pilot though, so by trade. Um, it's a fun fact if anybody didn't know that about me. <laughs> just um, in the spare time, eh? <laughs> yeah, just, just in the spare time. Um, so then, um, yeah, that's, and, and if anyone ever wonders why it's called Blade Scenes, it's a bit of a weird name, but that's why it's called Blade Scenes is because it was like helicopter movies, helicopter photos, 
and originally the logo had like a little heli- remote control helicopter on the side instead of our, our current logo. Um, so that's kind of where it all started. And then um, we were doing quite well, um, you know, we're ticking along and then basically uh, drones became super accessible to everybody. So like every man and his dog had one and we were doing this work for all the real estate agencies, we were doing it for all the photographers and then all of a sudden the photographers just had little drones that they paid like a grand for and they were adding it onto their shoots for like $200. So all of a sudden our price point went from you know, nearly $1,000 to $200, but our machines were all so expensive. And so we were like dead in the water. <laughs> and all of our clients stopped using us, right? Um, so we, um, like, it eventually like pretty much stopped. Mm. And um, Brett, my wife, back then obviously was my girlfriend, said to me, why don't you just charge whatever and just go out and do it? Like, you need to make some money somehow. And I always had this thing I never wanted to like have a boss, so... I was like, I'll just kind of go out there and try to do it on my own. So we started um, doing it for like really cheap. I think we were doing it for like $200 a house at the time. Um, you know, <laughs> just, just for drone work, which we still do now, you know. Like, oh, yeah, okay. I, I mean, we were actually, talking like a full package. No, 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 no. <laughs> that was just, just the drone photos. Um, but, I mean, we're actually probably cheaper than that now. Um, but basically what happened was is like I always had this thing where I just couldn't say no to anybody. Probably like my biggest flaw, but also one of my best traits. Um, and um, I was on a shoot actually with um, with Jared Cooksley, and he goes to me. If anyone knows Jared Cooksley, he's like a million miles an hour, loves to reinvent the wheel, um, and goes, "Hey, can you just do everything all in one go? I'd really like you to be able to do that." And I was like, "What do you mean everything?" He's like, "You know, photo, video, floor plan, drone." He's like, "That would make our life so much easier. We wouldn't have to get like all these people." So I have to give credit where credit's due in that Jared is probably one of the founding fathers of the concept. Yeah. Because um, I was doing a little bit of photography and a little bit of video, but, like, you know, it wasn't the whole the whole package. And, um, yeah, we um, started offering the full package. And that's kind of, like, the start, I guess. That would be, like, the start of where it ended up going. Um, so... Yeah, I'd say that's probably the starting point. Yeah, no, that's like a real interesting um, whole sort of rundown of that whole thing. Because obviously, like, I mean, you know that I came into the industry like a lot further after that. And by the time I hit the industry, it was always like, that was like, that was just like the thing. You had to have a full package. You had to like have these really cheap drone pricing and things. So it was it's like very competitive market when I came into it. Um, but it was very much like you say, like so much easier for a kind of, as an entry point, like if you wanted to come in and try to be aggressive, it wasn't as hard as it probably was back then when all these things were like split out. Cause that's like crazy to me, the concept of someone just coming to do drone, you know, like just coming to do aerials. And then you got like a different photographer and a different videographer. And like people, um, I remember you telling me stories about how um, you would like lug around like lighting rigs into the houses like before HDR was a thing um and that that was that was one of the cons and by the way if anyone sees it it's like not necessarily like that's a better technique it's just we've got more advanced technology now so you don't need to use that in houses anymore um and just yeah like the whole concept of how hard real estate marketing and real estate photography was versus like what it is now it's such a good process but yeah like real interesting like there was must have been a lot of challenges along the way with that oh yeah for sure like yeah i just 
<laughs> got PTSD. George's from life flashing. <laughs> <laughs> I seriously do have PTSD from it. Um, no, it was a cool journey, but I mean, like, I guess the, the the next stage was like kind of growth, and I had Super say to me, kind of like, "He's behind us." If you want to know, um, Super said to me, like, "Oh, when did the kind of the growth start? When did you start hiring people?" And I think like I was trying to do it all on my own, and I I remember we um, Britt and I lived in um, my father-in-law's house and he was like, really good to us and, you know, put us up, had a room. Always told us off, though, for being too messy. We're still messy to this day. Um, and we moved out of there and we got this little um, one-bedroom unit thing in Stonefields. And it was like, had this office in the, uh, uh, it was a second bedroom, but I used it as an office. And I would literally sit in there, like, all day, all night. And I'd be shooting from, like, you know, nine o'clock till five o'clock, I'd come home, had something to eat, go back out for dusk at eight o'clock. And then I'd start editing all the photos manually. We didn't send anything offshore back then. So I'd edit all the photos manually. I would edit all the videos manually. I would normally like work until maybe 2 a.m.-ish. And then I would sleep for maybe three, four hours, get up again at like five, 5.30, edit more photos, edit more videos. And then I would literally be driving to my jobs, and if the New Zealand police listen to this, please don't talk, tell me <laughs> off. But I'd be driving to my jobs, driving with my knees, sending off the Dropbox links. Yeah. Um, so, like, I was literally working 24-7 and was working myself to, like, the absolute bone. And Brett said to me, like, this just can't go on. Like, this is just ridiculous. And she was like, you're becoming, like, you know, so, like, such a slave to the business, right? And she was like, and she said, you're hating it. I, I was. I was working, like, literally seven days. And like on the weekends, I was missing out on social occasions and all my friends were going out and partying, having a good time. I was like my early 20s and I was just like constantly working. So um, anyway, uh, Britt showed me this video on Facebook and it was like a um, nightclub video of, I think it was from like the Roxy, the Roxy, right? Yeah, it was a Roxy, Super's nodding his head. Um, and um, we were like, Britt and I were like, this is such a cool video, we should get, like real estate videos kind of like this. So anyway, she knew the guy who like worked at Roxy and then put us in touch with this guy called Super. Now Super works for me um, out of the basement of the Stonefields house. So it was literally like me and Super. And then and then we brought Min in to start helping out. We had another girl, Jade, help, helping. So we had like four of us in the business working from the Stonefields home. But anyway, Super was like the the founding father of the video style that we have yeah. you know today like I know some people love us for it and some people hate us for it but you know speed ramps and light leaks and mm. all that kind of stuff like we brought that straight from nightclubs yeah. put it into real estate and um who would have known you know match made in heaven yeah no and I can like attest to that again like because um George actually like I said I didn't actually come into the industry and I wasn't at blade scenes to start with I was actually at a um, competitor and the um legit i will say this like just completely crystal clear we copied everything from blade scenes like, <laughs> like we just we absolutely analyzed every single part of their like how they did their video editing like all the secret techniques we still didn't actually know like how they were properly doing it but it was that was literally not just us like every single person in the industry was just trying to go how does blade scenes particularly the videos how does blade scenes do their videos how can we pick it apart how can we do that and then try even make it better and it's just like, honestly, as much as I'd love to say, like, we got there, we, like, super showed me, like, how it's actually done once I 
got to blade scenes and we weren't like even close you know like and so that's the thing that um i think a lot of people try to like definitely like he, he deserves a lot of credit and and super is our um podcast producer by the way if anyone's saying we'll, we'll get it we'll make sure he gets on camera at some point he's uh, <laughs> we haven't got the setup for it yet but we'll, we'll get a system going so we can throw to him <laughs> but um yeah yeah now that's cool to hear that because obviously i know from the other side and like anyone else if there's any competitors watching you know what you're doing yeah well. i feel like everybody has <laughs> has copied us i like I, like not to toot our own horn but like if you look at pretty much every single real estate video now like every everybody's videos looks the same yeah like they're all pretty much like at the same level and yeah like kudos to the competition as well because they can do a, a great product too but you know we were certainly like the originators of of the way that real estate marketing videos are done mm. in new zealand and like australia too now like f for sure like a lot of them and and aussie actually they've taken it to a whole nother level but they've, they've got a bigger budget um yeah so i guess like that's kind of the starting point Point and a little bit of the growth yeah and that growth phase as well which is an interesting one so that was like growth phase one yeah but obviously the like that's when you had what f you five employees including yourself yeah or three three before we moved to Parnell because yeah. then we actually had like a real office yeah so um, what about like that next boom into like what was it like 30 40 employees yeah I mean the next the, the next cycle I mean, we, we went through, like, several growth waves. Yeah, yeah, of course. And, like, it was such a hard point because you go through these, like, periods where you just get inundated with growth and you can't keep up and you are going as fast as you as you possibly can and clients are getting upset with you because you're dropping the ball. And it's like you're, like, doing everything that you possibly can. You're literally working, like, to the bone. And I remember, like, even, like, Super, Min, Jen, Jade, like, you know everybody who was like in the, and like Callum and Shard, like everybody who was in like the earlier team would literally pull, and Tristan obviously, would literally pull like, you know, 60, 80 hour weeks at the start. Like we were all going like hammer and tong to basically deliver. And like, no matter what we did, we were still like not good enough in some of our clients' eyes. And it, like a little bit of that hurts, um, but it's also like a positive, like, but we certainly, like, we know we had growing pains we, and then we implemented like a lot of new systems and automations and processes. And like, we certainly did well to kind of build on the business and make sure that we, you know, became better and better and had better workflows and didn't drop the ball as much, didn't accidentally delete all the footage from like three days shoots. <laughs> um, <laughs> not supposed to say that. Stuff like that. And, <laughs> no. then, and then, of course, say to the clients that the card just went corrupt. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we've used that. Uh, um, we've Yo, used that. <laughs> you are giving away my secret sauce. <laughs> we've, we've used that. We've used that story hundreds of times. So, if anyone who's been affected, I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, look, the reality is, I probably just deleted it myself, or someone like Super did. So. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I mean, but you, that's just what happens. Yeah, you have like a hundred like SD cards. Like it's it's some you know mistakes happen and mistakes happen in every industry. It's uh, something that you gotta like, you know, navigate yeah. somehow. But, yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, business is like, um, and growing a business of this size as well is actually like a really hard game. And I think like a lot of people don't realize kind of what goes on behind the behind the scenes and all the people that are involved. And I think the other thing as well is like no one's ever that honest. I'm personally think I'm honest to a fault, and um, like I'm happy telling people all the shit that I went through to kind of get it to where it is today. But I remember. We had this one year where we grew like so fast, so quickly. And then, um, and I had never run a business before. Mm -hmm. And we had like 30 staff at this point. 
And um, we came into Christmas and like as everyone in the real estate industry knows, like Christmas came around, it was like December, like no jobs. January, no jobs. And then it was like February getting a little bit busier. And then it was like March, a little bit busier. Still haven't been paid for January, February. And I was going, it was getting pretty bad cash flow wise. And I was like, I was probably only like 27 years old, 26 years old, something like that. I was like, I don't know if I can pay my staff. And you know, like, and I went to the bank and the bank always wants to be like your best friend, right? And the bank was like, nah, wouldn't give me any money. So, you know, I got myself into a pretty bad situation and had to borrow from like, you know, a third tier lender to basically, you know, lend us the money at like a really high interest rate um, just to be able to pay the staff. And like, no one ever sees that kind of stuff go on. No one ever realizes what it's like to take that kind of heat on the chin, you know, to be able to, you know, keep the business going and make sure that all the staff are paid. And it's like, it is by no fault of my own, but then this also is my own fault because you don't like prepare for those cash flow holes. Because when you're learning to grow a business, like you don't know what it's like in terms of how big the the, yeah. the cash can go ebb and flow, right? Um, so I think that was probably one of the biggest like challenges I would say would be like A, managing growth and B, managing cash flow. Yeah, I'll just like give you some credit there on that thing though. Like um, obviously every industry has those things where there's like a busy period and quiet period. I mean, some probably have those lucky things where it's pretty consistent. Um, I think the real estate industry, from my knowledge of business, is one of the hardest things to like deal with that like up and down because like you've said, we at at Bladesense, we obviously like pride ourselves on working with some of the best agents, but they require like very high level of service to maintain those clients, right? So when we're in those busy periods, you need like quite a bit of extra staff to actually like manage the influx. And we also need to be able to make quite a bit of money in that Mm. period to keep us alive during the quiet period. And so it's a, it's an incredibly hard thing, I think, to put yourself in a position where you're like, because one of the blade scenes models is you've, and I think this is a really like good thing that has put us and, and you ahead is you went with the full time model which a lot of the other companies we know use like full full contractor models. Um, we were able to quality control things better. We were able to ensure that the staff um, were just high, more higher skilled, tra- better training. Um, we don't have to worry about like training up a contractor and then, then you know going and stealing our business. But then the problem is, is you've got all those fixed costs coming into the quiet period and that's where like it hurts. So like, I yeah, I don't even know that it's so much of a like an experience thing. It was, it's just a incredibly I don't know how you deal with it like because it's it's one of those things that I think it, you know it's going to come every single year like, yeah. and it's, it's, it's don't be under any misconception that because of um where blade scenes is at and the size it's at I mean George will tell you this me and him have had a conversation there is genuinely like years from a profit perspective where George makes more money back in the day than he does now because of the scale and size of the business, you know, it's a tricky one to manage. So credit to you, man, for being able to keep it alive and like keep the staff um, employed through all of that. Cause that wouldn't be easy. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I think like the other thing as well is like one of the biggest keys to where we got to was by just having really good people, you know, mm-hmm. like 
and you know a young team of people who are all passionate and kind of love like hanging out socially as well and um you know they go above and beyond to make sure the clients are happy and they feel like they're you know a part of the industry too and i think that's why like sometimes like we do get so protective over our staff when something does go wrong is because we know how much like heart and soul everybody puts into the business and how much everybody cares about the product that they produce so um yeah a little bit of thanks from from our clients always goes a super long way though because um and we always shout it out like in our groups when anyone gets praise um like we're really big on kind of making sure that that people feel appreciate it guess each other up you know because we're all um are we gen no you're are you gen z i'm a millennial right no i'm a millennial just who's who's gen z amy would be gen z yes these gen z is like they're they really need the gassing up. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Oh, I, I need the gassing up as well, for sure. <laughs> I'm, I'm well, I remember, like, one of the first conversations that we had is, um, like, if you want to get the best out of me, just tell me I've done a good job. <laughs> well, this podcast was all you, so you've, you've done a good job, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, but, yeah, like, it, it, I think that it's on that exact thing, Some something, like... I'll be careful with it because I don't want to like rip into anyone. But one of the things that we hold on, reason why we hold on to those like praise moments is because there can be quite a lot of like negative stuff that comes at us. And that's like for the lack of people, I guess, seeing the bigger picture of like what, like a problem has happened. Why has it happened? And a lot of the time it's actually nothing, like not our fault or there's something that's, um, you know, we're like just kind of getting caught in the crossfire or something like that. And then unfortunately our poor staff on the front line and that, that was myself included. Like I used to um, be in the CS team and like I've done frontline like customer service and operations for a lot of my career. And it's, it's so hard. Like it's a very negative job a lot of the time because you're constantly putting out fires. And so the... I guess that's just a great like contextual thing of like um, the our staff that do that, you, you know, they're always putting on like a smile every single day. Like they're giving like absolute A plus service to the um, to the clients, and that's it's not always the case that everything's super positive and like they're getting all this praise and stuff, and they're managing to push through that and constantly do it. So when we get like some mm. positive feedback, man, we hold on to it and we celebrate it. Like it's yeah, awesome. I mean, I think it is like. It is also just such a high pressure environment because obviously people are selling like 100%. their most expensive asset. They might be selling it, you know, for what is it? The three D's. It's like death, divorce, and something else. But like a, a lot of the reasons, it's because there's like a big family or a big lifetime moment. Yeah. So like, there's always so much stress and pressure on from the vendor's side that gets passed onto the real estate agents, and then we then it too so like yeah yeah like un- understand it's just it's just a stressful process and it's just a matter of kind of being able to deal with it oh i'd way rather be us than the agents yeah like. and i think that's probably what like our next um show is with uh is on like mental health yeah. and real estate and i think um that'll be an epic um one to listen to so if you listen to this then you should probably go listen to that one it's with nick Lias. Absolutely. um and you know he'll probably talk about it a lot but um you know we've got some stuff to share probably from our side too yeah yeah um, before we like wrap things up, cause like we've got some cool insights and we've brought some cool stuff up, but I'd love, um, to air out some laundry, <laughs> um, around, I mean, you would have been asked this question so much. Um, so it's, here's your opportunity to like, I mean, 
you know that I'm not going to fish anything out of you or you know that I know the story. So let's hear it from your perspective, George, rather than um, all the sort of rumour mills that f- are floating around. Selling the business, blade scenes, mm. that was being a, that sold. Was, that was a pretty big moment in my life too because, you know, it's it was my baby. Like it was my life for over 10 years and kind of you get to a point where, you know, you've done it for so long. And I'll be honest, like I was just so burnt out. Like I had just, you know, shot over 10,000 properties. I'd done like, you know, I pretty much knew everybody in, in the industry and the business had grown to a size where on my own it was becoming pretty unmanageable. Um, now, I had no intention whatsoever to sell the business and um, it was early on in 2022, so last year, and I got an email um, from the Swedish company saying, hey, we're a private equity firm and we've acquired one of your competitors called Decrypt and we're looking at um, kind of forming a group to kind of take on the, the world, right, of, of real estate marketing. And I thought, yeah, this is a scam. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say, can we just pause on that for a second? Like, what was your <laughs> reaction when you get an email like that in your inbox? Like, yeah. It must have been it was, hectic. It was, it was pretty, like, pretty ballsy, cold email. Yeah. Um, anyway, so um, I jump on the Zoom call, and it's like me and my PJs at 10 o'clock at night, and like these three Swedish dudes in suits sitting in Stockholm. I was like, okay, this, this, is, this is serious. Um, and they kind of pitched um, – pitched to me what the plan was and um and I thought yeah this is version two of blade scenes you know I thought like I'm I'm guest doing it on my own and I want support um and I want to understand you know like where we can take this thing right um so to kind of discussions went further and um I ended up going on a um what, what everyone thought was a holiday up to Thailand and I met up with um the guys from from the group and um we got on like a house on fire like we just went out and like to be honest we didn't really even talk about much business we we kind of talked about like okay how could this work how could we you know coexist as two different brands in one um country um what were the growth plans where were we going to take this thing um and then we ended up just yeah having lots of beers and socializing and realizing that we could do this in terms of that you know, we were on the on the same table, and our sister company, Deercrypt, worldwide has some of the best technology out there in terms of what can be done. They've got the best backend system, um, and like they're actually just a bunch of really cool people to work with as well. Yeah, absolutely. And um, yeah, I guess like now, you know, a year and a half down the track, our team is entrenched with theirs, and theirs is entrenched with ours. And you know, as a support network, we've got so much more ability to go hey when this happens what do we do you know when xy happens what do we do how do we roll out processes for this so um that's kind of what happened right um it wasn't you know because i was going to do like this you know big exit and just walk away from the business but it was like what does version two look like and a lot of people are probably like oh george is not around as much anymore and yeah i'm not around on the front lines as much anymore i'm not shooting every single day but what my role is now is to basically, you know, manage growth of the two brands in New Zealand of both Bladesines and Deercrit and try to grow the business um, kind of like as, you know, one combined entity uh, throughout the country over the next few years. And 
um, like it's a really exciting step in like forward, I guess, for my career. Yep. But it's also a really step ex- like exciting step forward for Blade Scenes too, because I guess like it grew so fast, and it got to a point where it needed stability, yep. and this has enabled some stability. So yeah, if everyone thinks that I've just walked away, I have not. No, <laughs> and and that's I mean that's definitely not true because I mean, for example, like, I don't really have uh, much to do with the deer crit side of things, but um, obviously anyone that knows me from the real estate side, I'm, I live and breathe blade scenes and that's all I do all day, every day. Um, and But me and George have, what, like five to six phone calls a week at least, plus plus meetings. Like So, you know, George is still very much like heavily involved with not just like the overall stuff, like even stuff we're doing at blade scenes. So it's, yeah, it's it's been really cool, like, from my perspective, watching the integration and the growth, because like like you say, the um, it's the support network and the the resources and the assets, and um, me being able to go to you saying, hey, like this is a problem, like how do we um, navigate this? And you go, oh, such and such from thing knows about this. Let's jump on a call with it. You know, just we mm. never had that before, and mm. that was that's definitely the part that's the coolest. And yeah, I'm I'm very excited for 2024 personally because like obviously there's always that period where it's like trying to mesh yeah. you know yeah, and, and i guess then, th- there's probably also a lot more to it as well because everybody just thinks like oh it's just you know just deer but we're actually part of a group of uh five businesses so there's um australia new zealand sweden um denmark and us the us so we've got businesses all around the world that operate in different markets, that operate on different models, that operate on different levels of quality. Like the quality, for example, in the US is a lot lower because they don't have any vendor paid advertising. So everything's paid by the real estate salesperson. So totally different markets, totally different, almost like polarizing type of industries in terms of what the like the photography is like that, that they are creating. So even just for us to learn from what's being done all across the world is so incredible. Um, and also, I mean, going back a little bit further into, you know, my journey is I spent a lot of time on my own and like it was always like my way goes and because it's my business, right? But now I've got a sounding board. I've got other people who I can talk to and we can make decisions collectively about moving it forward, about the growth of the business and about kind of where we're heading as a group rather than just going like, I've got a good idea and I'm just going to throw everything at it, which is what I used to do. Um, don't do that. <laughs> I spent a lot of money on a software once. <laughs> we threw that in the bin. <laughs> we don't ever talk about that. At <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh gosh. Anyway. Um, yeah. Okay. That's, well, that's awesome. I think that we're probably at the point where everyone's got like a great picture of that context and backstory. And hopefully that's answered a few like unanswered questions for people. Definitely from, I guess, both of our perspectives. It's something that, we're at a point now where it's really starting to get exciting because there's like a lot of integration and like cool things in the pipeline. Obviously you see it all in the works mm. when it's coming. So I'm, I'm very excited for 2024, but um, yeah, was there anything else you wanted to leave, leave people with? Give us a mess. Obviously you're like, you know, a regular here, so you don't, it's mm. not like your last mm. message, but obviously just because this is your feature episode, is there any last leaving message you want to leave everyone with? Yeah. I'd probably just say like, I'm very grateful of the industry in that um, I'm grateful that I kind of stumbled into it, met so many friends. Like my, 
you know, you know, some of my best mates are from this industry, you know, and I've traveled the world with people from this industry and um, formed lifelong relationships. And I guess like if I hadn't come into this industry, I don't know where I'd be, right? So like it is kind of like my home and um, I don't think I'll ever probably leave it, which is probably a sad thing too. <laughs> um, but but yeah, no, and just, I guess that's probably my, my parting words would just be like, yeah, it's a, it's a really cool industry. It's cool to be a part of and I'm very lucky yeah to still be in it awesome well thank you very much george for sharing all of that stuff with us uh please remember to subscribe like and share the show we're um, going to be releasing a couple of episodes a month from now on so uh george thank you very much for coming on and obviously i will see you again very soon very soon mate. cheers guys